0: You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Me here, Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to persevere for you, a remnant on the earth, to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph said. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. This is the reading of his word. You may now be seated.
1: this morning we continue our sermon series on songs for life Uh, it's a sermon series where we are taking some contemporary songs that are out there on Christian radio putting them into a sermon then you will watch that 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 song on the screen at the end of the sermon and hopefully it'll kind of encourage you to begin to think about uh, music and how it can change your perspective on a lot of things we all have scar, and next week Landon will close this sermon series. Um, um, so uh, you don't want to miss the closing of this sermon series on May 30th, next week. We all have scars, either physical ones or emotional ones. I mean, I have three scars that are pretty prominent. Starting with the oldest one, I have a scar on the back of my head, if you ever see me when I get my hair cut very short. I received from a surgery early on in my life. I was just four months old. Second, I have a scar on my stomach for where they fed that shunt that was put in the back of my head and put into my stomach. The latest scar, until June the 1st, that is, when I get a bigger scar yet, is two small dots on my wrist from my heart catheterization. Every one of those scars reminds me of something that happened in my life. I will not disclose the hundreds of emotional scars I have. You probably can join me in thinking about them in your own life. Broken relationships, hurtful words, vindictiveness, cold shoulders given, judgments made about you that, we, that, we, that you know are incorrect and yet the people believe them anyway, and the list goes on and on. I remember someone teaching me the saying once, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's the biggest lie in the world, friends. Huge lie. Broken bones heal after much pain and swelling. But sometimes the things done to us emotionally can last forever and ever. They never really truthfully heal. If I was a betting man I would even bet some of you I'm not but if I was I would even bet some of you are thinking of times you've been hurt as I began this sermon and some of those times were so were some of those times were 10 maybe even 20 plus years ago so let me give you some background to our story today in Genesis 45 Joseph is now the age of 39 and he was essentially the prime minister in Egypt and had not seen his family for over 22 years. You know, hopefully, the backdrop of this story is is that the brothers got together, they got jealous of Joseph earlier on, and they decided that they needed to get rid of Joseph, so they devised a plan, they took him, they, they, they thought they killed him, they thought they got rid of him, but he survived. He becomes the prime minister, essentially, of Egypt, and he hasn't seen his family for 22 years. He had influence and was beginning to see what God had a plan for his scars as well. Here in chapter 45, where we will be this morning, we learn that God has a purpose for every event That took place in Joseph's life. And the same is true for your scars. Catch that. Same is true for your scars. What it teaches us most is that God's plan rather than our plan. Is the most controlling reality in our lives. There's a reason for each event. Each scar. Each disappointment. Each job loss. And for every closed door that was put in front of you. You see, scars happen, friends, but yet they are used by God to do some very specific things. And I think the story of Joseph found here in Genesis 45 and throughout the rest of Genesis, but specifically in 45, shows us the specific workings of God through the scars of our lives. This is on the next slide. That's what it does. It shows us the specific workings of God and how he brings it together. These men, these brothers, caused severe emotional scarring. You can see it throughout the story that we will read this morning. So this morning, I want to look at how does God use the scars of our lives. Here's the first point on your sermon outline. God uses the scars of our lives to demonstrate the miracle of reconciliation. Now, I'm going to read this twice because the scripture passage is going to come up on the next slide in just a minute, but I want to read it again. Again, God uses scars of our lives to demonstrate the miracle of reconciliation. Look at verses 1 through 4 with me. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants, and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. The one you sold into Egypt. And so there's this, there's this time where now the brothers have come and, and you know there's a whole backstory to that that I'm not going to take time to, to describe. But now it is time for Joseph to unveil the fact that he survived. Unveil the fact that he is still living. Unveil the fact that you did not succeed in causing the ultimate scar that you were going to kill me. You did not succeed, but you did cause scars. Listen to what the word says. He cried out. That's a scar, friends. He couldn't take it anymore that his attendants were around when Joseph was, or when when his brothers were standing there, and he just yells out in the top of his lungs, Get out of the room. I'm about to blow these guys' minds, and I am frustrated by what they did. Yet... You're going to see a whole lot of forgiveness in him. And Joseph is standing there in Genesis 45, and he has his brothers in the room, and he is hurt. He has scars, emotional and probably physical, from what they did to him. Scars from what these brothers did. Twenty-two years of heartache rushed to the surface in Joseph's heart right here, right now. That's what's going on in chapter 45. 22 years of holding it in. 22 years of uncertainty about his father. 22 years of hurt and pain caused by these brothers. And it's all coming to the heart and the mind of Joseph right here, right now. And he quickly sent everyone in the royal command out of the room. I mean, it's pretty obvious he cried out. He was so loud, others heard him, like the Egyptians and the Pharaoh. As the second command in the nation, Joseph had little reason to cry out. Yet Joseph wept like a baby. Look at verse 4. He says to his brothers, come closer. But check out their response. They're froze. They're speechless. Come closer. They don't know what to do. I'm pretty sure they're speechless because in their heads they figured out that this brother that they left for dead And thought he was long gone. Was now so high up in the power. That all Joseph had to say to somebody in power was. See these guys? Take them. And kill them. And anybody who was anybody would not tell the prime minister to go pound sand. Now the power rests in Joseph's hands. And so these brothers are standing around and they're looking at this situation in Genesis chapter um, 45 and they're saying to themselves, "Uh, how's this going to go? Because now this brother that we once had left for dead is one of the higher ups in the nation. And he's about to pass judgment on us. Or so they thought. So Joseph starts out wanting this to be a private, but because of his emotions were so wrapped up into it, he was so loud, now others had gained a front row seat to this. Notice the the scripture passage. Let me read it for you. He cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one, but then he wept so loudly in verse 2 that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard it. And so now, because he wept so loudly and because he was hurt so badly and because he had these scars, Everybody's sitting and watching. God's handiwork of reconciliation was on display throughout the physical and emotional scars that these brothers had left on Joseph. I want you to notice something that we miss when we read it just one through four and we just read it and we read it very quickly. Joseph never once, never once, never once calls for his power to come down on his brothers. And he had every reason to do so. Never once does he say, get me the guards, get me this, get me that. Never once does he say, Take care of these boys because they hurt me badly. And let me tell you what they did. And, and and never once does he play the power card. And that's powerful. It's simply amazing. And so Pharaoh and the other Egyptians who are sitting around are watching this happen. And they're watching in real life this brother who had every right to throw their people under the under the bus do nothing and because of that because of that they're watching reconciliation up front and personal now let's just play along in 2021 and let's say you have five brothers Or two brothers or one brother doesn't matter and they devise a plan to get rid of you and they devise a plan because they're jealous of you they devise a plan to hurt you badly and you live with that hurt for 22 years and you become let's say let's go big the president of the United States of America And all of a sudden the brothers show up in Washington DC and you're standing there in the in the White House somehow some way they get to you and you're standing there in the White House and they think you're you're dead. And now all of a sudden they realize somehow they were they had their heads in the sand during the election. <laughs> and now they realize that they are in serious trouble. Because all this guy has to say is listen these guys did this to me and it was abuse and here's what's going to happen they're going straight to jail that's the kind of reconciliation that we're seeing now I don't know about you, but when I sat in that thinking, when I sat in that in that in that perspective of myself, say I have a sister, or I do have a sister, say I have a brother, and they sell me down the river, and twenty two years later we are we are sitting there and people are watching. Would I react the same as Joseph didn't did? No, because I would remember the scars. And I would feel the heartache. And I would want my sister or my brother to know the heartache that they caused. And I would feel justified in giving it to them left and right and twice on Sunday. Why is that that Joseph doesn't seem to be interested in giving it to him twice on Sunday? Here's why. Joseph is not focused on the scars. Joseph is focused on the outcome. How many times in my own life do I focus on the scars? And then I give myself permission that, Hey, if I want to blow up, I can blow up. Because if you've been through what I've been through and I, you had the scars that I had, you would understand. instead of being focused on the outcome instead of being focused on the outcome second you see scars are used to communicate the hand of God in a crisis I want you to listen to verses 5 through 7. Joseph is showing a load of maturity here. He tells the plan of God to the the nation with tears flowing down his face. Listen and think about this as I read this. Think about how, how simply this must be of God because there is no way that someone in our shoes would respond this way without being focused on the outcome and what God is doing through the scars. Listen. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Listen to Joseph. He says, first of all, he says, do not be distressed. Are you kidding me, Joseph? Do you know what these guys did? They had no good in mind when they were hurting you. Do not be distressed. Don't even be angry with yourselves. Because the reason you did it was that God sent me ahead of you. And for two years now, there has been a famine in the land. But then, then, verse 7 starts with those two powerful words. And someday we'll do a sermon series uh, all the times that we hear these words in Scripture. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Here's what Joseph is saying. It's a little hard to catch on to it at first reading, but here's what Joseph is literally saying. Not only am I not upset with you, I have saved food for you and your families in the midst of a famine so that your families won't die in the midst of this famine. Not only have I forgiven you in my heart and not allowed the scars to define who I am, but I have turned it And I have given you all the food that you will need to survive this hard time. Yes, brothers, you are the same brothers that sold me down the road. But God showed up. And when God showed up, he put me in a spot where I could make enough money, where I could make enough for a living, where I could do enough gardening, where I could do enough of this stuff, where I can put some food aside so that your families, your families won't feel the famine like the other families in this nation will. Powerful. This famine was no joke. It was seven years long. People were starving for hundreds of miles around. Joseph had stored 20% of the grain for years, which meant there was a reserve of grain to care for the nation. Joseph concluded that God gave him an assignment of demonstrating how God could provide for the people. And a part of the assignment was the scars of his lives, mostly done... By his brothers. Just sit back for a moment and look at that verse seven, and think about these these brothers have a plan. It's a dark plan, and yet somehow, some way, that plan is used by God in a miraculous way to put the right leadership in place for a drought, and it all comes from this move—a move of darkness a move of the enemy, a move of people that had jealousy in their hearts, a move that was full of anger, a move that was not godly, a move that was not right, a move that was sin, and yet it all worked out in the end because God. So the honest question for us this morning in 2021 is, what crisis do you face in which the hand of God might be demonstrating Itself through you. But here's the question Will you focus on the scars physically and emotionally, or you focus on the outcome like Joseph does? Joseph realizes that God is the one that's demonstrated this, and therefore he wants God to be praised in the midst of this, and therefore he wants God to get the glory for whatever happens through these scars that his brothers have given him. Now this, this story could be completely different, and please, please don't think that, that, that the Old Testament characters are puppets on a string. One commentary warns of this, that, that, that we, we, we sometimes think that these guys, you know, they, they couldn't have done it wrong. They couldn't have gotten it wrong because, you know, God wouldn't have wanted them to get it wrong. So they were puppets on a string. God was just, you know, Joseph didn't have to think about it. He just did. No, I'm sure there was a portion of Joseph inside of his deepest of hearts that said, I cannot believe I'm saving food for their families. I cannot believe that I'm about to reconcile with them. I cannot believe that I'm about to show them grace and mercy in the midst of this. I cannot believe that the hand of God is working the way it is working in this situation. We will never see that hand of God if we don't allow the word, the Lord, to work through our junk. What You know, here's what I just said to you earlier that it was 22 years. What's going on in those 22 years? I am sure there are times deep down in Joseph's prayer closet where he is begging the Lord. Why are you doing this? What is going on? Why am I going through all of this? And then in chapter 45, and you know, he doesn't know it's chapter 45. Please don't think that either. But he knows that, that now the time has come. And it starts to unveil in his heart. And he starts to get so excited that again in verses 1 through 4, what do we hear he does? He kicks everybody out of the room because he's so excited that he wants to tell his brothers who he is. That could have went completely wrong. He could have kicked them all out of the room so he could have given them a little brotherly love. Right? Right? That's what maybe we would be tempted to, I would be tempted to do. Hey, I, I don't want you to think bad of me, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask all of you that are in the room here, um, not you, but, but like if we were in a room and, and, and you know, I'm going to ask everybody but my brother to leave. Why? Because then me and him can, you know, have it out. You don't think bad of me because you don't see it happen. Joseph doesn't even go down that road. And it's all because of point number two, that God's hand is in the crisis. So how are you bringing glory to God through your crisis? If you're like me, when I asked myself that question, um, <laughs> there was some emotions in my office. Because um, there are times when I'm not. Hey, you can be short with someone because you have scars, Pastor. You can hurt someone because you deserve, they deserve it. I mean, if they faced what you faced on June the 1st, you, you, you have every right to be upset. What's, what's the goal? Is the goal to be about me and my scars, or is the goal to be about God and his glorification? Third, The scars of our lives are used by God to authenticate your faith to unbelievers. Verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what." Your son Joseph said, God has me, made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. If there was any confusion for Joseph of why he got the scars he got, it was cleared away by the hand of God. Joseph earned his right to demonstrate his faith before an unbelieving nation. Verse 8 says it this way. He, God, because he's the one that sent me here, not you, my brothers, made me father to Pharaoh. Do you notice that? Joseph is like taking them right out of the picture. He's saying, you think you got me to come here? You think by selling me down the river, you're the ones that brought me here? No, it was all a part of God's plan. It wasn't just you, brothers. If God didn't want me to be here, I wouldn't be here. And this came at a time when never before had so many pagans in this nation been able to see God work in a compassionate and miraculous way. The backdrop to this story is when a time when there is paganism galore in the nation. And so while this paganism is going on and while people are just not even following the rules and things seem to be getting darker and darker and things seem to be moving in the wrong direction, we're watching this son or this brother do exactly opposite of what the pagans would say to do. What would the pagans say to do, you ask? It's simply what the world would tell you to do. Somebody punches you in the nose, you punch them back harder. Somebody hurts you, you hurt them harder. Somebody slams the door, you slam it harder. But yet we as believers are called to something much, much, much more godly. Godly. Then Joseph turns around and does what I talked about earlier, and he provides for his family for at least five years. Five years. Five years. His brother's families have nothing to worry about. Here it is. Yes, there are people dying. They have no food. And who of us in this room this morning and online this morning would blame Joseph if he said, no, no. I'm going to live high on the hog for 20 years. You get nada. And if your family dies, maybe next time you'll think about it before you sell your brother down the river. None of us would blame him because I'm in his sandals. You know, it's the age-old theology of "He made his bed, now sleep in it." That is not the picture of God the Father. That's what we say to people. If we were in Joseph's sandals, we may have even said it to our our brothers. Y'all made your bed. Go sleep in it. But Joseph, knowing something about God and knowing something about his character and knowing something that he wanted to follow God in his character, he says, no, no, that's not the way I'm going to play it. I'm going to do what God wants me to do even though it makes no sense. And these same people who sold me up the river and put me through all the the hell on earth that I went through, I'm going to provide for their families for five years. They aren't going to have to lift a finger. Not that lifting a finger would have done anything because there was a famine going on. So then some time passes and we come to Genesis chapter 50. This is not on your sermon outline, but it is on the screen in just a minute. Their father had passed away, and let's look at it together. Here's what happens. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, They said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and puts us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers and the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him we are your slaves they said but joseph said to them don't be afraid am i in a place of god you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. So, you know, it comes up again and here they are facing yet another time. And the brothers are scared because now, you know, the father's gone and, and they might have been beginning to think that the father was the one keeping Joseph on the straight and narrow. And so, uh-oh, dad's gone. Now he's really going to put the nails to us. And look at Joseph's response. He wept. And I believe that weeping is not because... Of anything else other than the fact that he believed his brothers thought he was staring at the at the at the scars and going to react on the scars instead of react on what God wants for him to do. That's why he's weeping. Brothers, did I not show you already that I am not a man that's going to throw you under the bus? And yet I received this letter saying, forgive them. But I love how he puts it in chapter 50, and he kind of sums up what he's talking about in verse 45, or chapter 45, and he says it in verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The savings of many lives. Wow, that my friends is how scars can be used to glorify God's scars, even scars on your hands. How do you treat the nursing staff and the medical staff? These are questions I'm asking. Do you point them towards Christ or do you make their lives miserable? Now, trust me, when I come out of surgery, I will need to remind myself of this. What do you do with the scars? And then emotionally, what do you do with the scars? Do they they bring you to a better place in God and in your relationship with God? Or do they make you so bitter that you cannot grow in your relationship with God because you haven't dealt with the junk of your scars? What do you do with them? See, it's hard work, it's time, it's prayer, it's it's seeking the Lord and saying, Lord, I have scars, I've been deeply hurt, there's been plenty that has gone wrong in my life, and I need to deal with those scars. And the final question of this morning's message is this, what kind of scars might you have that can be used for the glory of God? Maybe you've never even thought about it till today. What kind of scars? A broken relationship where you can walk into someone else's life that is facing a broken relationship and walk side by side with them and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that yes, that relationship was broken. But there's beauty on the other side of this. There is, there is things that can happen on broken roads that can bring God's glory back. Maybe it's, maybe it's a door that was shut in your life. And you, you, you simply say to God, listen God, I don't know why that door was shut and I don't understand it, but I'm going to not let it get me down. I'm going to make it make me better in you. In you. Not better because I want to be cocky and arrogant and be better person. No, better in Christ. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, just a, it's just an ongoing battle of emotions from something that happened to you so many years ago. I am not a counselor. Never proclaimed one, never played one on TV, none of that stuff. All I know is, is that when there are scars, there is some type of God's plan for our hearts in those scars. God has something to use it that He could, you could walk into someone else's life and challenge them at the deepest times. Could bring them reconciliation. You could share. Wow, never heard myself preaching back at me. Um, sorry, um, but that is what—that is the powerful part. Of today's sermon don't let the scars be wasted glorify God show what the Lord is doing don't let it turn you bitter let it turn you better in Christ and watch what he will do through your scars he did it through Joseph but Joseph first had to deal with the junk and turn to God and he's calling you to do the same today. And so in just one second, we're going we're gonna to watch a video of I Am They. That's the name of the band. And uh, the, the song is Scars. It talks about how you can use your scars to glorify God. I pray you'll listen to it and let the words sink into your heart. And then maybe you will go out of here today using some of your very bad scars in a powerful way for Jesus. Go ahead, Mike. Roll it.
0: open eyes darkest water and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for anything cause my brokenness brought me to you and these wounds are a story you'll use So I'm thankful for the scars Cause without them I wouldn't know your heart And I know they'll always tell of who Sending in confidence With the strength Thankful for your scars. Cause without them, I wouldn't know your heart. And with my life, I'll tell of who you are. So forever, I am thankful
1: Just before we go to the closing hymn, I just, you know, think about it, how scars have been proving to Faith Church. I look at our prayer list and I see people like Mark. God's hand was all over that scar. He may not have been here today to even celebrate with us had God's hand not been in the situation. How God's hand moved in Tyler Becker's life how God's hand moved in Andy's life how God's hands moving in my own life These are all scars friends and They can be used to glorify God and show good people how big and how powerful our God is I Pray we will use them in that way They're all scars Let's pray Father God thank you for the scars thank you for the scars of our lives it's weird to pray that Lord because we don't like getting scars but we do we thank you Lord for your powerful work in our hearts and lives we thank you for the ways that you have protected our body here at Faith Church and and I just mentioned a few that's not an exhaustive list of how you've looked over us in the midst of our scars how your hand has been seen throughout this body and Lord I guess if there was one goal in preaching this sermon today I don't want to miss the opportunities to use scars To proclaim your work. To share your gospel with a world that desperately needs to hear it. Help us, Lord, to share that good news. To be reminded of your scars that gave us freedom and hope in the midst of very hard times. And we'll be careful to give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise for what you do through this situation, through all these situations in our body. For it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Let's stand and sing the closing hymn this morning, which is, All to Jesus I Surrender. That includes your scars, friends. All to Jesus I Surrender.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com.